Welcome to From the Producer's Office, a series of informal podcasts with Opera Holland Park's Director of Opera, James Clutton. In conversation with creatives and collaborators, we explore the process of putting opera on stage and how the artists involved approach their craft. Hello, welcome to From the Producer's Office. I'm James Clutton from Opera Holland Park. And uh, welcome to the from the producer's home office at the moment because it's April 2020 and we're all stuck at home and everyone knows what that means. So in today's episode, we've got a couple of our members of the City of London Symphonia, our resident orchestra at Opera Holland Park for many years, Chief Executive Matthew Swan and cellist Becky Knight. Welcome both. Let's, um, how are we all coping? Everyone okay? Uh, yeah, I think I'm getting asked that question a lot at the moment and the answer is always yes, okay. <laughs> <laughs> It is indeed a new Becky. Yeah, it's sort of surreally calm and quiet, but trying to enjoy the time that I've got. Yeah, very, very, very wise words. Okay, let's start on happier things. Um, uh, Becky, we talked about this off air before we came on, but um, was there music in your family when you were growing up? Yeah, so my grandparents both played the piano. Um, one grandfather played a lot of jazz, and grandmother on the other side taught piano and played the organ right but she was in a wheelchair and she lived in our house when I was growing up so I played her for ages that I wanted to learn the piano Mm. but I ended up being the only string player I don't know where that came in (laughs) was it was was it a surprise to your family then when you said you wanted to be a string player yeah totally nobody had done that in our family and I think I just tried out do you know what? I tried out a viola. It wasn't even a cello. And I was small, so they made me play it like a cello. And I remembered this afterwards, and I just liked the feeling. That's why. Because of the viola. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. And Matthew, because you, you, you're a player as well, aren't you? Uh, I was a player. Oh, sorry, I was a player. You I'm not a player, player now. And was there music in your family around the house when you were growing up? Yeah, my paternal grandfather was a very good singer, and he, his father before him was a good singer. Um, but it was actually from my mum that I got it. My mum was a, a primary school teacher. She played the piano for company where I grew up. And we had some family friends called the Coopers. And the eldest uh, boy in this family called Robert Cooper played the trumpet. And he was seven years older than me. Right. So therefore, I wanted to play the trumpet. <laughs> Fantastic. And, and, and did you both have just records being played around the house as well? Or, you know, just, just general music rather than people actually playing music? Did you, yeah, were my, you both? My, my, sorry, my dad didn't play any instruments at all, but he always joked that he just played the records. But he had a <laughs> lovely collection. It's a good line as well. And, but was there a moment where you thought, or, or, or there was a moment, obviously, but did you, can you remember the moment where you thought, oh, that could be a job? Um, I think I kept it a secret for ages that I wanted to play the cello. Um, Because I thought that nobody would take it very seriously or they thought that, you know, I wouldn't make it or it was, I don't know, silly idea. So I I think for ages I just had it in my head and just tried to work hard. Because it's it's a strange thing and and because, you know, we all work in in music and theatre in different ways and... And of course, it's not when you're growing up, it's not something that people say to you a lot in careers meetings or something, because it sounds a bit far fetched. Did you have that, Matthew? I I was quite lucky because we were in Leeds and it was kind of the early days for North. And they used to pick um, kids, kids, parts, mainly chorus stuff um, from my school. And I got to do a couple of those. 
Right. So I, I got to see the kind of inner workings of an opera house from quite an early age. I must have been nine or ten when I did the first one of those. Right. Um, so I think the idea of being a manager in music, running something, was always there. Mm. But then I, I went straight down the playing route and did that as far as I could. And then kind of realised, I think, when I got to the Royal Northern as a postgraduate, that A, I wasn't good enough. Yeah. And B, I much preferred the bits around the performances and the rehearsals, kind of organising and stuff. So yeah, that, that was how that came about. But I, I had quite a, a lucky background from working for Opera North for, for, for those years as a kid. And it's a great company, Opera North, it is to this day. It's an amazing company. Yeah, yeah, wonderful. Matthew, we're getting you a little bit distorted there, but we'll price on and hopefully that's that's okay. Um, okay. And so um, also the City London Symphony do a lot of work, like Holland Park, getting out and about and doing things. And at the moment, you've got this great thing happening. Um, I'm going to get this wrong now, but Comfortable Classics at Home. Is that correct? Near as demo. Comfortable classical at home. Oh, so close. Come on. Give me a break. Give me a break. So, Becky, this type of hashtag change, you've got to be accurate. You know? <laughs> Becky, I know you've done one of these because I saw well, tell, tell us a bit about what that what, what it is. So a different person from the orchestra plays a concert from their own home every Tuesday and Thursday morning at yeah. 11.30. Yeah. And we're given, I mean, a, a basic brief about how we communicate and the, the sort of um, uh, responses that they want from the audience. But we're yeah. given quite a free brief as well to, to be ourselves and yeah, to play the sort of music that we enjoy. Right. Um, maybe talk quite personally about where we live or what it's like being a musician where we are. Mm. Um, so it's, that's a lovely freedom to have to share that right now. Yeah, it's really. And how, how long is the, uh, is the concert? Well, that seems to be elastic. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay. It started being 20 minutes, and I think it's averging 40 minutes now, but it's, uh, there's sometimes a lock-in at the end. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. And, and where did this idea come from, Matthew? Well, I think, like you, we work with lots of already marginalised groups um, and there's a massive amount of culture available online for people in lockdown, but most of it is for people who are fairly unlikely, probably cultural audiences already. And I, I think we were worried that a lot of the audiences go to, so the under five, children with sensory impairment, um, adults living with dementias, were being slightly forgotten. So we wanted to do something that was quite simple, was very personal, like he's just said. Uh, there might have some simple interaction, but most importantly, it's live. So you yeah. could send comments in, there was a sense being part of it. So that, that was why we wanted to do it. Because, you know, so much of our work is in psychiatric unit, care homes, in hospitals, family centres. And I think, you know, it's awful that we've lost opera and concert going. But for a lot of the people in those scenarios, they're yeah. already very strictly isolated. Yeah, it really is. It really is. And when you're when you're in um, playing there, um, Becky, how does that feel different to when... Because obviously you've got you, none of your uh, colleagues around. You haven't got an audience that you can see, I take it. It's not on a, it's not on a medium you can see the audience, is it? No, no. No, so you can't how, see how does that feel when you're doing it? Is it is it is it a weird feeling or is it just a nice feeling and that's it? Yeah, I find it a totally surreal feeling, and the whole build up to the concert is quite strange when it's in your house with your partner. <laughs> <laughs> My partner works in post production sound; is not used to a whole pre concert build up. <laughs> we both got made each other nervous. It was hilarious, but and then to sort of press a button and feel like this is a concert now, even though you're just still in your room. I mean, often when you you're practicing you you want it to feel you know when you're on stage like you are in your house and that you feel as comfortable as that usually feels yeah but good. you realize that actually that can change at the, you know, the touch of a button basically no no indeed indeed no it's, it's a wonderful thing and i think that as matthew said then um 
it's just this thing that both of our companies do do a lot of this work and it's one of the most distressing things was having to stop it so just being able to carry on at some level um in a, in a new normal whatever uh, it's just it's just been it's just been great i love the idea of getting nervous before that though becca it's just a brilliant it's a brilliant thing um but of course it's so communal music making uh, us with an opera company and you as an orchestra are you missing that sense of sitting next to people and 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 hearing other instruments as you all play together? Absolutely. And in fact, for my concert, I'd recorded myself as a sort of backing track to some of the music that I played because I said I, I didn't really want to play solo Bach because it just feels too lonely at the moment. And yeah, wow. I'd come off the back of a three-week tour in the U.S., with Academy Smosh in the Fields yeah. and Joshua Bell. And that was like in the most incredible sense of chamber music making and yeah. a real like ambience between the players on stage. And it was just the weirdest thing to be here yeah. every day by myself. Yeah. No, 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 no it's, it's very strange. But as I said at the beginning, I think the CLS, I should know this off bar, but I think the CLS have been our resident orchestras since 2003. Does that sound right, Matthew? That sounds correct, yeah. Yeah, it sounds right. Um, and you wasn't the chief exec then, but you joined later. But do you remember the first time you came to us, Matthew, and, and what you made of the orchestra playing in, in the middle of a park? <laughs> I, I think the first performance I saw, well, it was a dress rehearsal, was Lucia de Lammermoor. And it was one of those nights when uh, the, the kind of the elements play a part in the drama because you've got this scene of, sort of Scottish moorland yeah. and it was absolutely <laughs> freezing cold. I and I was sat in the auditorium scarf gloves all the rest of it but that do you know what it's funny that's the only night i remember when it was like that all my other memories of opera Island park especially last year were glorious sunshine and yeah. fantastic weather it's it's quite amazing how your, your mind edits these things yeah yeah no it is and it's and obviously it's dangerous for us because people have those memories and i was just listening to well actually someone sent it to me there was a radio 4 comedy um i forget what it's called now but they sent it to me and an episode was this group were going to opera holland park for a party a stag night <laughs> and um <laughs> and and it was pouring down with rain so it got ruined and so i was sort of torn because there was i was quite pleased that we were featured in it but also disappointed that um <laughs> that that's how we were mentioned so it was a little bit strange. <laughs> but um but there you go um becky do you remember your first year playing at uh, holland park yeah i just looked this up it was actually 2009 wow and i think it was hanson gretel oh, so this yeah. season this summer would be my 12th year wow Wow, yeah, that was that's, that's it goes quickly though, doesn't it? I remember yeah. the Hansel and Gretel set was a very big doors and everything. It was a it was a lovely set. But let's talk about playing this uh, because obviously Becky Matthews just mentioned it, and we can't shy away from it because we joke about it all the time with us. But obviously, some nights it does get cold there, and obviously that does affect ability to play, and, and I guess it affects instruments as well. How how do you cope with that? Um, so we we have a lot of play. I I all year look out for clothes for Holland Park, and I'm always seeing like a little fur hats and <laughs> nice <laughs> sort of layers that look nice but that you could wear a lot of clothes and still play the cello and um, that seems to happen all the time so that's one thing we often wear blankets like across our waist which helps quite a lot <laughs> yeah, yeah and then with the instruments it's difficult i think with the strings that the hardest thing is when it's raining or when it's um humid mm. because the bow hair then gets very long and you can't tighten it enough to really play on it um so that gets difficult i think for the reed players it's even 
much harder than yeah. for us. But my fingers tend to get very numb. So you just got to try and, you know, stay mobile, stay as warm as you can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and conversely, because as Matthew said, we do have some brilliant weather as well. On those hot nights, of which last season was very, uh, it was a very good year for that. Yeah. Does that affect it in different ways as well? Yeah, maybe just the humidity or the dryness. So that's that's more. And maybe uh, there's some of those really extreme days that just it gets very sweaty. But then I know as as a woman, uh, you have a bit more choice about what you're going to wear in that situation as well. <laughs> no, it's great. I mean, I one of the things I'd be interested to hear what you both think on this. So Matthew, you first, because one of the things that I enjoy about your fabulous orchestra being at our place is that more than most theatres that you are absolutely part of the show um the audience can see you all each member of your orchestra very clearly but not only they can see their faces whatever but they see what they're playing and how they're playing it do you think that's a, gr- a good thing or a bad thing i think in the context of opera Island park it's a brilliant thing yeah. i think it's you know i can't remember what the phrase mike uses it's you know london's most informal formal night out or something like that yeah but it kind of adds to that sense of breaking down the barriers. You can yeah. see some of the inner workings, but mm. it adds to the drama mm. because you, you can almost, you know, a good film score sort of tells you what's happening before it's happened. Yeah. yeah. And I think sometimes you can you can see the sort of energy coming from the musicians that gives you a sense of what might be about to happen. And that, that really adds to it. Yeah. And I think sort of seeing the musicians, because, of, you know, every other opera house in the world, just about they're, they're in the pit, you can't really yeah. see what's going on. Yeah. That's that's a real visual spectacle as well, especially because, you know, you don't have the big theatrical curtains in the proscenium arch. So yeah. actually being able to focus on the orchestra during an overture or something like that is, is wonderful to do. No, it's good. I mean, I, I, as I say, I really love it. I mean, I would say that, wouldn't I? But I really do love it. Um, Becky, two things I wanted to say on the similar thing to you is, one, what's it like being able to see the audience so clearly, particularly at the first part of the night? And also the other way around, um, being able to see at certain moments, if you glance around, that what's happening on stage as well. Yeah, I think it, it is fascinating audience watching mm-hmm. and you can do it in a way that is quite different from a usual concert because you feel like you are not under the spotlight yourself um, yep. and you don't enter in that grand way at the beginning of the concert. You know, you're sort of watching as if you're in the wings yourself sometimes. Yeah. Um, and so it's fascinating to see people's reactions, um, where people laugh, um, <laughs> especially when you have the younger audiences with the schools matinees. It's incredible yeah. to watch their reactions. That was, they've really been incredible uh, afternoons, haven't they? Yeah, really great. And um, what was I going to say? Just, I, I guess, us being on display as well, you see how much we're enjoying it. I know Atlanta last year was a massive highlight for me, I think, of like the whole 12 years. And I know that there was points in that where the orchestra would look at each other we would sort of you know there was quite a lot of tears going on and um, I'm sure that for the audience they sort of share in everyone's emotion you know it's, it's very close to you yeah, I think that's really lovely to hear. I mean, I think because, you know, we got, we got nominated for an International Opera Award for that double bill, the Iolanta and the Susanna's Secret, and against some big, really big companies like Bayreuth Festival and stuff. But I think there was just also that sense of um, what you just described there, the, the shared experience of it, but the sense of shared um, achievement, because you see all the people in the pit, the conductor, 
all of the singers, you, you can see us on the side and it, and the audience are all part of that. It just adds up to this genuine shared experience of we're, we all are here now watching and listening to this. And it, made, it makes a massive difference to people. Audiences as well, they tell me, when they're in a dark theatre, you know, they're watching the show, that's fine, but they don't have the same sense of, you know, collaboration with their fellow audience members as well. It really comes all together. Yeah, I think audiences always find it uh, a weird if I say after a concert, you know, well, thank you for your reaction. Because you, mm. I think people forget how they're really part of it as well and it's not a concert without them no um, absolutely you absolutely. you play differently and you react differently when you really feel people are listening yeah. and refocusing really and mm. the other thing you you were asking me about you know our, us being able to see the stage is such a treat mm. i think i often have about the worst seat in the house <laughs> and the the video camera for the conductor is right behind my head so if i turn around <laughs> they get me instead of what they need fantastic um, yeah when i can watch i love that <laughs> But I think also on a, on a technical thing, um, I think that sometimes it helps the conductors and the orchestra because they understand what's going on on stage when, when a lot of the orchestra can see it at least as well. Because often, as Matthew said before, people the orchestra are away in the pit in most houses. So there's a genuine more, uh, there's more dynamic thing between the, the, the stage and the orchestra like this. And I, I, I love it. I, I, it always feels strange when I go to other theatres and don't see it. You know, you want to feel that reaction all the time. Okay, so but all, all of the times you've been there, Matthew, have you got any particular um, memories of shows, uh, you know, operas that stand out for you that you, that you guys have played on? Traviata is another highlight. That I think that was just in, incredible. Um, and it's, I mean, I love the, the Verissimo things that we do. I remember the um, uh, the Volferrari, um, uh, the, uh, the the duel of the... Oh, Gioelli della de Madonna. Yeah, I mean, that was just such an amazing spectacle on stage. Yeah. I mean, it was um, a mad thing to produce, mate, I'll tell you. It, it was. <laughs> and I remember all the, the extras from Investec behind stage as well, just so excited to be there and reveling in the, the kind of the, the temporary nature of the dressing rooms and all the rest of it. They thought it was just so exciting. Yeah. Um, but I think the, 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 the one that sort of really stood out for me in the last few years has actually been Ten of the Screw. Um, oh, yeah. Because, again, that was a moment where the level of kind of virtuosic playing that that requires from the musicians yeah. normally is hidden away. It's quite a small group of musicians, only about 20. Yeah. And I think to it's see that, that actually. yeah, it is. Yeah, I think you're right. To yeah. see that out, if you see what I mean, was just that was a real joy because normally it's hidden away. And the, I mean, the action on stage was brilliant as well. The singing was fantastic. But for me, that was a real highlight to see our, our principal musicians play like that. Yeah. And I think it's, it's so well scored that piece. Um, and, and it sounds much bigger than it is in a funny way, but everyone's working so hard. But it really is. They're all, they're all soloists in that as well, aren't they? Everyone's really on it or has to be on it in that piece. Yeah, they, I mean, Jonathan Dove Flight was another example of that because you had the two percussion guys, Jeff and Glenn, across the back. Just, and that was that was a spectacle in itself. Yes. As well as that amazing show and that phenomenal countertenor you had in it as well. It was just incredible. Oh, yeah, Jamie. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I love that. I mean, and also just the, the sheer orchestral sounds that Jonathan wrote for that and then being able to feel it. Um, so close I mean I obviously get a extended view because I see all the rehearsals and can be as close as I like and it's just and it never loses that excitement of being next to an orchestra in the full cast it's no. just been so close to it Becky Absolutely. what about for you any any particular standout memories of pr productions well I'm quite a Slavophile so I love all the Tchaikovsky um, Queen of Spades oh, was yeah. a highlight for me because that score is incredible yeah 
And I think it's, it was a difficult opera to get into somehow from always loving Onegin. Mm-hmm. I was really looking forward to doing Onegin this summer again. Yeah, but, weren't we uh, all? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but that was so full of melodies, whereas the Queen of Spades is mostly textures and it's not these big upbreaking melodies in quite the same way. Yeah. And so it took me longer to get into it, but now I'm so addicted to it, I still listen to it quite often. Oh, really? That's wonderful. Yeah, it's an incredible piece, that, really. I mean, it really, I can say it now because we're not doing Onyegin this year at the moment, but I think I'd, I'd go to Queen of Spades before Onyegin normally to listen to. I think it's a, it's, it's a fabulous piece to uh, to yeah. do. Um, what, you... what Becky's not telling you, James, is yeah. that on her Comfortable Classical at Home, one of the last things she did was she played the cello and accompanying herself singing in Russian. Oh, wow. Okay, Becky, now we're talking. <laughs> now we're talking. But it's still on Facebook. Still going to have a look. <laughs> but I'm not on I'm Facebook. I'm going to But no, Becky, that's it. We're looking for a command performance of that <laughs> the next time we can all get together. Also talking about practicing, because obviously we just mentioned there the thing that's obvious, uh, if anyone that's following us here, that we we can't do our season in the summer this year. Hopefully we'll do the shows at another point, um, but not the summer. And I mean, I'm just going to be missing it all so much and 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 missing seeing you becky you know or matthew knows as well but becky you know that every night i have a ritual of going along the orchestra rail and saying hello to everyone and shaking the leader's hand and it, it, those sort of rituals you end up i'm going to really miss it this summer yeah it's a, there's a great sense of camaraderie in the yeah. whole company i think it's a really special thing about Holland park yeah yeah um, i, I th- thank you but I, I just love going along and seeing you all and everyone's just getting in the in the frame of mind to do and it just always feels just so exciting that and that moment um and i always joke with people and people saying oh i've got it i'm running late i said okay that's not going to start till i've done the handshake anyway so don't worry you can relax that sense of power um um becky also the other thing i was going to say to you is how different is it practicing um in times like this when you're not out able to play with um the rest of the orchestra and obviously you practice on your own anyway uh, at different times but is the motivation still good at this this in this strangest of times well yeah funny you should say that I remember that I, I was working quite hard up until when I did the comfortable classical at home which right. was about 10 days ago yeah. and then I've had a bit of a break but in one sense it's actually beautiful to have a break physically mm. because you very rarely have that opportunity in your life there's always something to practice for so I wanted to enjoy that too just so you can really appreciate what it is when you go back to it and um, yeah. I'm already itching to play um, but um, it's difficult in my flat one of the things I discussed in that concert is that I can't make too much noise at home for hours a day you know yeah. so it's difficult practicing in a sense and you don't yeah. get to play in an acoustic at all. And Matthew because you're in the office well not physically in the office but like me at home working for the company and it's a difficult time for us all isn't it in that way it is and we've got three kids of school age at home as well um which compared to some other people they're a little bit older so it's Mm -hmm. they're 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 quite good at working on their own and actually we've just come through a period where i do most of my music making i I sing in a church choir in south london and holy week and east is a big thing for us and we we missed all of that and you know that's that's part of the rhythm of the year just like opera and park is for me we're we're actually now trying to get virtual choirs going so i've I've got to record the bass part for the the William Bird's massive three parts at some point this evening. Fantastic. Uh, <laughs> nowhere near the standard of, of, of Becky or anyone else. But um, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's odd not being around music and musicians. Yeah, it, it is. And I think that's the thing that obviously everyone's going through a similar version of it with their own jobs or whatever the job. But 
there's something about musicians and singers that is is such a collaborative thing anyway that we're so used to going to work and having so many people working on the same thing at the same time that's just that's just difficult getting used to because we would have started rehearsals uh, this week so it would have only been a few weeks time Becky we'd have been in the rehearsal room with the orchestra and that that is a tough one to take at the moment yeah actually it's been interesting at home with my partner we realized that we always assume I'm the, the more introverted one mm. and she's the more extrovert mm. um, but it turns out that you know in the first few weeks I was really bereft just because I'm so used to seeing so many people every day yeah. um, working you know with a meeting a lot of different musicians every day so it, it's more that I think I then escaped from it afterwards yeah. but our jobs are extrovert by definition yeah very very good point very good point yeah my, my other half Nina runs London and South East for live music now which take a lot of early career musicians and put them in kind of social and community settings and you know similar situation to me and you James you know the amount of time it takes to cancel stuff often seems more time consuming the amount it takes to put, put the damn thing on in the first yeah. place Yeah. and then like us you know trying to work out what they're doing with musicians who are a bit younger and as a rule generally a bit more tech savvy in terms of what they're doing in care homes so yeah. it's I, mean, I, I think, think culture we... generally is you know stepping up to the plate and trying to do things where the other sectors are perhaps not yeah I think that's an interesting thing though about just what you can do and, and how and I think that um, you know we did one last week with uh, Age UK where we go a lot anyway uh, for social isolation and one of our guys just was singing and playing to them or you know 20 different people in their own individual houses uh, that, that themselves had got in contact with Age UK and Age UK had helped them tech up you know with and get onto Zoom and everything and so things that we weren't even doing a month ago uh, suddenly come into the fore and uh, and it's just changing the landscape but what you were saying about the the producing and cancelling I mean for me it was talking to someone earlier on it's just like writing on water or something at the moment because as soon as you do it everything changes and there's something yeah. else comes in and so you cannot normally in normal circumstances the very few times we've had to cancel anything a rehearsal or a concert performance we'd say okay well we're going to put it in next week or or, or it's cancelled or whatever but at the moment there's that unknowing of what, what's coming up and could it be in the autumn could it be in the spring is it cancelled and that sort of thing is sometimes a bit more difficult than than just a straightforward one cancelling it or whatever i think so i think you know all the likes of you and i can do is is make sure we're ready to go because yeah. the, the the two most important groups uh in both our businesses are our musicians and our audiences yeah um and you know making sure that that we are there for them on the other side of it and ready to to go as quickly as we can is i think is all you can do as you say it's like writing on water um but you know being in that constant state of readiness i think that's absolutely right Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap up, but just ask a more general question, not to do with us or or, or the CLS and that. Um, Becky, what's the piece of music that you just go away and think when you want something? Just going, that's the thing I'm gonna go and listen to now. What's the, what's the current one of that for you? Right now, well, I listen to a lot of uh, world folk music. Mm -hmm. um, so sometimes, actually, we just watched a lovely film which was called. And then we danced, which was set in Georgia. So I've been listening to lots of strange Georgian folk songs. Oh, lovely. Right, I'll, I'll go and listen to that. And Matthew, you? Um, well, I, I do a lot of cycling and um, my cycling club asked me to do a kind of cycling grand tour in classical music. <laughs> and yeah. the one piece that I kind of got to re-know through doing that, I was trying to sort of express a really hot day in the south of France or Spain. 
when no one wants to ride and started listening to Miles Davis sketches of Spain again. Oh God, I love seemed that. Quite apt. Yeah. Oh my God, I love that. Especially with the sunshine, it's quite a nice one to just yeah. deck chair in the back garden yeah. if you've got one yeah. and just sit and soak up a bit of sun. Yeah, yeah, that it's a fantastic album. Just that. one opera-related one. Just thinking back over like mm. um, the last years and which operas I've played, I think Pelleta Melisande. Oh, yeah. It's just incredible. And I was thinking, oh, yeah, I'm just in the mood to listen to that right now. <laughs> it's always good in Colin Park with extra peacocks added, I would say. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that we've done sort of some deal that the peacocks have it to themselves this year, that we get it, <laughs> we get it to ourselves next year. We're on, a, <laughs> we're, we're on a park share at the moment. But, um, OK, and the other thing I was going to say, just in case, just in case we're trying to support s- small businesses or anything, is there any small businesses by you both that has been great on food or deliveries that you want to give a shout out to yes go on then wait Dulwich Fintners in Dulwich Village and the other one uh that we've been going to is Peckham Salads both fantastic service both doing great things okay, I realized the they're both one, Dulwich Vintners right very good okay I realize they're both booze shops Sorry. there's nothing wrong with that mate <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that at all at this time Becky and you Oh, yeah, up in Highbury, I was very excited today that Maison Bleu, a local cafe, was reopening and they sell beautiful coffee and lovely uh, foodstuffs and also provisions on Holloway Road is fantastic. Very good. Okay, so I'm trying to ask people when they come on now to do that because I think the small businesses are are like us at the moment as well, our our industries that they just. Radio 2 style, can I give another shout out as well, please, James? Yeah, go on then, mate. Um, it's actually a food bank, Peckham Food Bank. Uh, uh, it's called Pecan. Mm-hmm. And again, my cycling club, we've been doing some deliveries for them. And if anyone's looking to donate uh, food or, or anything like that um, in the South East London area, get in touch with them. They're doing great work. Great stuff. Oh, yeah. And my charity one would be uh, Museum of Homelessness. I'm mm. currently doing one or two days a week making cheese and pickle sandwiches for the homeless. <laughs> wow. I mean, that is fantastic. That is brilliant. I love that. I mean, it's difficult to get a good cheese and pickle sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> Grated or sliced cheese, Becky? It's, it's sliced. The slicing is quite hard work. It's it? got to be sliced. It's got to be sliced. Listen, oh, I'm well, let that's you both... discussion for another day. That's, another, that's a whole new podcast. But yeah, I'm glad you gave you the local businesses and uh, and charities a shout. I think it's important because a lot of those small businesses are really stepping up at the moment, and um, we just need to do what we can to keep them all going as well. So. Okay, Matthew and Becky, thank you so much for joining me this afternoon. I was going to say coming in, but you've both been at home. Um, but thank you so much for joining us. And I'm really going to miss seeing you both all summer. And I can't wait till we're all back together again. You too, Absolutely. mate. Thanks for having us on. Thanks a lot. See you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Cheers. Bye-bye, James. Bye. You have been listening to From the Producer's Office, a series of informal podcasts with James Clutton. For more information on Opera Holland Park, please visit www.operahollandpark.com.